Good morning. I am excited to be here. And before we get started, Jill, I would like you to come up. So I saw um, a little picture on my Facebook, and it was four years ago in the Rock Church, Scotts Bluff, that we prayed over this family. And then that Easter, that year, they started here. And it is awesome. I remember that there was like only what, like maybe two, three kids, and they were the volunteers' kids. And to see all of these children in the house today is such a blessing. So one of the meetings that I had with the volunteers not too long ago was an illustration that Reggie Joyner, which is a children's ministry specialist, gave. And I want to present this to you and your church family. In this jar are, and there were supposed to be marbles, but these are prettier. They're like these jewel rocks. And each of these rocks represent one week of a child's life. In a typical church setting, you have one hour with a child to share the love of Jesus Christ. So you've got 52 as a church if they come even Sundays a year. So in this jar represents, okay, so each, each week that they come, you start pulling these stones out. It gets less and less and less. So what are you doing as a church to invest in the next generation? They're going to be the future leaders of these churches and other churches and future leaders and organizations in your community. We want them to know Christ and lead as Christ does. So this has approximately a 12 years, 12 year old child's life represented here. Because today you guys have the Kids Rock students. So I want to go ahead and give that to you guys today. So you're doing an awesome job. Let me tell you, if you have a thriving children's ministry, your church will grow exponentially. It will. Because what happens when children come and the parents come? It will transform families. It'll transform future generations. So I'm excited for you and your church family and what God is doing here. So that video was talking about forgiveness. Jesus was hanging between two criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus did nothing wrong, but he was hanging there on the cross. And why was he hanging there on the cross? To pay the penalty, the weighty penalty of our sins, to forgive us. And here are these people that had just got done beating and flogging him. And they said he was barely recognizable. And as he's hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Forgiveness. He hung on the cross and thought of the people that were around him in that immediate time span. But then he was thinking of you as you sit here today. He loves you so much. He was forgiving you at that very moment. But how many of us struggle with forgiveness? How many of us struggle with forgiveness? This is huge because I'm going to tell you, you cannot afford to not forgive. It has huge consequences if you're holding on to unforgiveness of things that have happened to you. And we're going to go over that today. I was telling um, Jill and I even told Vaughn, whoa, 
What a message to have to preach on. Because I think just like any of you sitting in here today, it hit me to the core to really evaluate my life and where I'm standing in unforgiveness and how it can affect and it can actually chain me up and I'm not doing what God wants me to. So we're going to go ahead and read some verses. There's quite a few, but then I'm going to go through and I'm going to dissect those verses so you can see what I learned as I was preparing for this message. So if you'll go ahead and open up to Matthew 18, we're going to start in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Then Peter, therefore, he, then Jesus continues. So this is Peter. He, he's just like dissecting a little bit here. So he must have some unforgiveness issues with someone. Because why would he even ask this question? 70 times 7 is what Jesus says. And then as we continue, Jesus says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debt debtors was brought to him who owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so... He his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down at his, at his master's feet and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when that man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. A denarius was equivalent to a laborer's, a laborer's full day wage, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, but be patient with me and I will pay you, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison, until the debt was paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went back to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid every, the entire debt. That's what Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whoa. Just reading that is powerful enough. But as we walk through this, we look and we see Peter started out with some unforgiveness issues, I'm assuming, in his own life when he asked that initial question. He was like keeping record. How many of us in this room are keeping records mentally, these huge filing cabinets of people that have done wrong to us? You're keeping count in your head 
I remember in September 1992, Jan said this and did this and did not. Do you see what I'm saying? And you know, you look at Peter here and he's like, he's got an issue. Because when I see this, he's like, Lord, how many times do I forgive someone that sinned against me? What? He is not God. He cannot hold somebody in bondage. That's the first thing that I see is that Peter was trying to like put himself at a higher level. And he's like, they sinned against me. He's like, do I go ahead and forgive them seven times? And then after the eighth time, I just go ahead and cut them off. Or do I go ahead and I just, you know, there's that verse that I remember you said, like, turn the other cheek. So technically, I have four cheeks, one, two, three, four. And then the fifth time, I don't forgive him anymore. You know, he, he's like really dissecting this and wanting to know, how often do I forgive? And Jesus says, seven times 70. Now, he's not saying specifically 490 times and then you're done. Because in reality, he's saying, you need to check your spirit. If you're keeping tabs on some, someone 490 times that they do something wrong to you, then you've got some issues yourself. Because you're holding that person bondage. You're holding them bondage, in bondage. You can never... Ever, as a believer, you shouldn't anyway get to that point that you are keeping tally lists on what people have done wrong to you. Now, I can stand up here and anybody that knows my testimony, I can say there are times in our life that there are people that have done terrible things to us, absolutely terrible, that has affected us mentally and physically. And I'm not saying that forgiving is forgetting but it's releasing. It's releasing and realizing that you're not the one that's going to be able to repair them. And they're not the ones coming over and saying, please forgive me, that's going to repair you. It's only Jesus Christ. Now, when I look at this as believers, we need to understand the weight of forgiveness. So when we move along and we look back at the verse that it says as Jesus is starting to explain this, and I love Jesus because he's such a great storyteller. He would use something that was in their culture to explain to them what he was trying to get across. And I love this illustration. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought to him that owed a million dollars. Now, I'm telling you, if I owed that much money and I was brought to City Card, all of a sudden, City Card has all these people come forward and they say, listen, we're done. We want all of our money now. Don't worry about your APR rate, none of that. <laughs> you know, we, don't want, we want all of our money now. I think we'd freak out a little bit, right? So this guy, you know, this king's like, okay, I want all my, all my debtors to pay me. I want it all taken care of today. 
This guy owed a million dollars in that time. He couldn't pay it, so his master ordered that he be sold. Now this king was going to have him sold, and if you look, not only him, but his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But in verse 26, we see that the man fell down at his master's feet and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. How many of you, if you were sitting before someone that you owed money and it was that much, and they were like, okay, here's the deal. We're going to have you be in slavery, in bondage, until you pay this all. And not only you, your family, your children, your wife. How many of you would be falling at the feet of that person and begging to be free? And this is what's so cool is that it says that then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave him. What I want you guys to see here is that at the very beginning it says the kingdom of heaven. This is a kingdom principle that Jesus is trying to get across here. He's trying to show you that the king of all kings is owed a lot by all of us in this room. Think about it. We all are undeserving of forgiveness. There's a huge weight when it comes to sin and what we've done against God. But the king showed an undeserving mercy. He showed compassion, empathy. He saw the person for who they truly were, not what they owed. And then also it was continual. It was the family, the wife. It was the whole core of a family that he saw the value in them. So he had that compassion. And not only that, he was filled with pity, but also then he released him. He released him, said, go. And then he said, you know what? Who cares about $1 million? You're forgiven. You don't have to pay it back. I know if something like that happened to me, I would be like, yeah. <laughs> But think about this. You know, it's an undeserving mercy. He got something he didn't even deserve. One million dollars he owed this king, this master. And what I'm trying to get across to you is no amount of money that you give to this church, no amount of time that you serve at this church, no amount of doing small groups and all of that, none of that will even amount to the price that you owe the king of kings. That's why Jesus was on the cross between those two criminals. And Jesus knew that when he was telling this story to them. How many of us have dishonored God in this room because we've ran away from him? We've lived life the way that we want to live life. We've ignored what he's called us to do for his kingdom. We've done things and said things to others that we shouldn't have. But see, God has made provisions of undeserved mercy for each and every one of us in this room if we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior.
And then he puts you into a position to do the same for others, to give them undeserved mercy. So as we move on to the next point is, I want you guys to evaluate who is your hostage? Who's your hostage right now? You can look down the row beside you. Every single one of you have been hurt. Every single one of you have had somebody do something to you that maybe you're holding on to a little bit of that unforgiveness. But as we continue, it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. A denarius is equivalent to a laborer's full day wage. This idiot, I'm sorry, he just got forgiven $1 million. As soon as he leaves the king, he finds somebody that owes him $1,000. And then this joker grabs him by the neck. I mean, think about that. He grabs him by the neck. And what happens is that he wants payment right now. Exactly what just happened to him, he's doing to this other fellow that owes him even less. And then his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Didn't he just do this with his master and with his king? But then what he does is he, says, he just goes ahead and he throws him into prison until the debt is paid in full. I don't know, for me, as I was reflecting on this, how many times have I been forgiven? You know, how many times have I done wrong, but yet Jesus says in the Bible that he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he wipes them clean, never to remember them again. But yet when it comes to forgiveness, we hold people hostage, and we don't release them. And we want payment now. We want to, I'm sorry. We want them to have bad happen to them because they did bad to us. Or we want to see them unsuccessful. How many of us? That's such a convicting thought. Because bitterness and anger can come in and it can creep. And then it starts to affect our spiritual walk. See, we look at this forgiven servant, but yet he showed no mercy. He imprisoned another, and then he imposed a debt to be paid in full in an imprisonment. There are so many of you holding people hostage. You've got them caged up in your mind. And then there's some of you that you're really, really good <laughs> at reminding people how they've done wrong to you, too. There's some of you that every time you see them, you're like, do you remember back in September of 2010? <laughs> and they won't, and I have somebody that's like that. I hate to say that, but I have somebody that when I talk to them, it is a toxic constantly telling me how I was wrong, how I did bad. And I'm just like, I don't know how many times I have to say sorry. I don't know what I have to do to get forgiven by this person. We've all done wrong. And ultimately, we should be penalized for it. 
But again, Jesus paid the full price. And then if we look at the next point, there's an unexpected aftermath. There's going to be people around you that see what you're doing. They're going to hear the unforgiveness through conversations. They're going to see it through your behaviors. Your children sitting beside you today are going to see it and hear it. I've been at fault. There's been a couple times I've had conversations with my husband, and then my, I have my kids. They overhear it. What are we modeling? Because if you look here, it says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They just saw him get forgiven $1 million, but yet then they see him how he treated this other guy. Then they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you everything. I gave you freedom. How dare you do this some t terrible thing to someone else? I forgave you this tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And when the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. This last sentence, I want us to really get this. It says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart. Folks, what I really want to get across today is and what I want you to understand is that Jesus forgives you. But what he's saying right here is how are you forgiving others? You're not holding anybody hostage. What you're doing is like this kennel. You're stuck in here. You are not able to be used fully by God and for his kingdom because you have a self-imposed prison. You are stuck in four walls of imprisonment because you will not forgive. And he says right here, he's not going to take away the consequences. I mean, he's, he's going to basically have you deal with this. And until you deal with this, you're not going to be able to operate freely. And you know, also in the Lord's Prayer, the one line that says, and forgive us our sins as we, as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Forgive us our sins as we. Have you forgiven other people? I love Lewis Smead. He wrote a book and it's called Forgive and Forget. Listen to what he said. I thought this was very profound. He says, when you release the wrongdoers from wrong, you actually cut a malignant tumor out of your inner life and you set a prisoner free, but then you discover that the real prisoner was actually yourself. 
To truly forgive, we should live by the red letters that Jesus said, even on the cross, dying in an excruciating death. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Forgiving is not about feelings, but choice to release the other person. Jesus said, you, who he is set free is free indeed. Why are you putting yourself in a prison? And forgive out of obedience and thankfulness for what he's done on the cross for you. I don't know, as I was doing this and I was getting this message prepared, it really is profound to me how many people are so unforgiving and we're always keeping record. We're always keeping record. But Jesus didn't. And when he paid it, he paid it all. And then he died and he went to the grave and he paid the price of death. And he's not there anymore. As you enter into Easter Sunday, he's not there anymore. He is alive. He is in, up in heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. And so many of you are putting yourselves in a self-imposed tomb. He has made you free. He has made you free to live the way that he wants you to live, to speak life into other people's lives and to bring glory to his name. But instead, you decide to stay in your tomb and unforgive people around you. If you could walk out of this tomb, do you realize how many lives could be saved because you could fully operate in the power and the strength and the glory that God has for each and every one of you? You are shackled. It's a self-imposed prison. When do you give it up? So I ask you today, who is it in your life that you are still holding grudges against, resentment against? That today you need to lay it at Jesus' feet and say, you know what? I can't heal them. I can't heal me. It's only you, Jesus, that can do it. And I release it. Does it mean that the thoughts are gone? No. But you realize you are not God. He is. You realize that he paid the price on the cross and he can bring them life. And you want life for you, and you want life for your family. Who do you need to release today? First and foremost, I'm going to tell you, if you have unforgiveness on your heart, it's you. Let it go. You're not God. But I'm also, I really want to back up and say this. I know some of us have been hurt mentally, physically. We've been abandoned. There's been abuse. And I want to be sensitive to that. Like I said, I have lived it. But there comes a point in your life where you build this resolve that you start to see people with compassion and you realize why they did what they did was because they were stuck in sin. And I think of like Joseph in the Bible. Joseph, he was sold into slavery. He would like have all these high and low moments. And then he was finally reunited with his family. He could have ch chosen to be totally angry at his family and unforgiving. Instead, he welcomed them in. And then he said, you know what? What man meant for harm, God used for 
the good of the others. He was able to save people from famine. So there's going to be moments, there's going to be times that we walk through these tough seasons, but we have to move past them and not get stuck in the four walls of forgiveness so that we can help others see that there is freedom. And you know what? The people that abused you, that hurt you, that abandoned you and did you wrong, Jesus loves them just as much. And if when we're stuck in unforgiveness... That's why Jesus even says we need to pray for our enemies. Because they need salvation too. So again, who is it that you need to release? Because guess what? You've been released. You ask Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior. He forgives you of everything. Never to be remembered again. And he says, he wants to use you. He wants to free you. He wants you to be free, abundant life. So Jesus forgave, but who are we needing to release today? Jesus, I thank you for the Rock Church family. I thank you, God, for the beautiful things that you are doing here. You are building a family. And as families grow, there's going to be seasons where maybe offense or a wrong word was said and somebody could get hurt and wounded. But God, we want to be a family of forgiving and a family that wants to see people reach the kingdom of God and their fullest potential and the destiny that you have for them, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I ask that you would come into each and every person here today, that you would help them to just be introspective and realize who are the people that they're unforgiving to, God. I pray that they would release them today, that you would bring healing. Once they release, their hands open up. And God, you can pour out blessings. You can pour out healing. You can pour out anointing. Let them release those hands. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in the hearts and lives of everyone here. May they have just an overwhelming thankfulness in their heart for what you did on the cross for them. Lord God, we thank you for what you did. Jesus, we thank you that you forgave us of all our filth and our wrongs. And Lord, you did it all because you had compassion and that you love us. And you see us for who you created us to be. There's some that are here that might today realize, I need Jesus. So if that is you, I pray right now you would pray this prayer. It's not just a prayer. It's a lifestyle change. It's walking with Jesus. It is just moving along with him and releasing and letting him use you to his glory. So if that is you, I pray that you would pray this. Jesus, 
I know today that you have forgiven me more than I deserve. And I ask you to come into my life, cleanse me of all the unforgiveness I have towards others. Help me to just release and have you be the lordship of my life and that I may just pour life and love into all that are around me. And God, I pray that you would just help me to walk all the rest of my days to bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to remain in this kind of attitude of prayer. I want to do just uh, one quick thing. Tammy and I, we have very similar histories and testimonies. I grew up um, with a biological mom that was very abusive in all three areas. And um, it was really hard to understand why uh, a mom would do that. Never understood why. Um, luckily, God put me in a home with my biological dad and a very loving stepmom. And it wasn't until later in the year that I had to learn the power of forgiveness. I had to learn that I could not afford to not forgive. And everything in my body told me, no, she doesn't deserve forgiveness. She, she did everything opposite of what the mother was supposed to do. And it wasn't until at a church camp that God spoke very clearly to me. He says, you're not gonna be able to do the things that I've called you to do until you learn to forgive her. I said, God, I don't want to. He says, that's your choice you're not going to be able to do the things I've called you to do until you do that. This morning, if you can bow your heads and close your eyes just one more time. If there's anyone in this room that you need to forgive someone, as soon as this service is done, you, you, God's put that person on your heart. I just want to pray. I just want to pray for you. If you say, yeah, that's me, I need, I need to forgive someone that's done a lot of harm to me, and I haven't, I've been holding on to it. And trust me, it, it, it can feel good for a time, but you won't realize the poison that's bringing that into your own walk with Jesus. If that is you saying, you know what, I, I need to forgive someone today, it's gonna be really, really hard. Will you just slip your hand up? I just wanna pray for you, yeah. Amen, yep, anyone else? Yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. Amen, yeah, hands are still going up, yeah. Father, I pray, I pray right after this, God. I know it's easy to say yes and amen in this room. But Lord, as we step out from this threshold and we go out to the real world, Lord, I know the enemy likes to come with everything that he has. Lord, I pray that you would give us that boldness and that courage to follow through with what we've learned today. God, that we don't wanna be a hostage anymore, Lord. We want to be living in freedom. God, a lot of times we hold ourselves in that jail cell to only realize the door has been open this entire time. And that we just need to step through it and that we need to go to those people and we need to just uproot that unforgiveness. That's why it hurts so much, church, because you're uprooting something that's been stuck so long in your life. It's that toxic weed and you just need to uproot that, root and all. So Lord, I pray. I pray that your spirit speak to us God, that you'd make the receiver of this conversation, Lord, with an open heart and ears to listen. And God, I look forward to hearing good testimonies next Sunday. Pastor Vaughn, I forgave someone. Man, I feel free. I feel alive. I feel like a brand new person. 
Lord, I even pray that even that through that forgiveness, that that relationship would be restored. That would be restored. God, I thank you for today's message, Lord. I look forward to what we have next coming up with baptisms. And God, I just thank you for Sunday fun day that we're gonna go forward and we're gonna be Christians that like to have fun and we're gonna forgive and we're gonna love. We thank you for that. In your mighty name, everyone said, amen and amen.